Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. This is the Material Podcast, episode number 166, and my name is Florence Ion. I am Andy Anatko. Hello, Andy. How are you this fine week? I'm sweaty. Thank you. So, oh, sorry. Uh, that's that's, that's yeah. okay. I, st- I still, I, I did spend, as we said during the pre-show, I, I did like spend an hour like at the town beach today. So it's that the, the, really the, cooling, nice. the cooling effects have dissipated, but my hair and given that I'm a, like a European kind of European uh, ancestored man, it, there's like lots of like arm hair. and all, So all this hair is like still smells like the beach. So. Which, I have to helps. say that's kind of nice. Uh, yes. You know, some some people pay $30 a bottle for some spray to give you that exact same sensation of having just gone to the beach. So the fact that you did it organically is, I mean, anybody oh, could hope for that I, on a good day. I, gar- I guarantee you this week in New England, I've been smelling as organic as anybody could possibly. <laughs> actually, if anything, more organic than anybody I set would it up want. for that. I, I really, <laughs> I, I, I walked into that one. There you go. Um, so I have been indoors <laughs> conversely <laughs> quite a bit both uh kind of incubate so i've been hunkering down i've been working so typically because everybody wants to hear about my work life uh backslash sarcasm typically <laughs> i tend to work super long days monday tuesday wednesday and then thursday friday i take it pretty easy uh you know i guess what is that like the dutch way <laughs> or something <laughs> No, no, um, I, I, I've, uh, you know, I've, uh, I've, I've been freelancing like journalism before, like, long before you started, and that's exactly like my system. I didn't know this was called the Dutch yeah. system. To me, it's called the if I absolutely work my butt off on Wednesday, on Thursday morning, I'll either know for a fact that I've got a lot of work done, and I can take Friday off, or there's no possible way I could get my work week's work done, so I may as well take Friday off. So yes, that's why Wednesday is the high, high, so high crankage well day. Take Friday off. Oh man, uh, being a fr- freelancer is such a, an amazing privilege. Uh, mm. It does come with all of its. It does come with its caveats, but for you that can't reason, you can't steal those co-reg cups. Like yeah. uh, the, <laughs> uh, you can, but you're really just like literally robbing Peter to pay Paul. So it's not um, that satisfying. I'm sorry, I interrupted. Yes, go ahead. No, it's okay. I so. Okay, Andy, I don't want to make this about sometimes I talk about technology and the way and my relationship to it. And sometimes I feel like because I am not uh, because I am of the millennial generation, the early millennial generation, (laughs) that um, maybe I haven't had enough time to come around or maybe I just don't really know, you know, that kind of thing. Okay, so I feel a little insecure to talk about it, but I have to say, so the last week or so, I've been uh, slowly taking apart my old hard drive that I had with me from house to house to house, and I'm finally uploading all those photos into Google Photos. However, they are only photos taken after (laughs) 2003 and forward because that's when I got a digital camera, which by the way was like, three megapixels. That's when I got a digital camera. And that's when I was able to, you know, to make those pictures, (laughs) to have them be digital. You know, obviously I have boxes and boxes of film at my parents' house that I have to like go through eventually. But my idea is I'm realizing I'm in my thirties. I don't remember as many things as I thought that I would at this age. Like it, I'm starting to realize that you cannot hold on to absolutely every day of life um, more and more. And I realize well, it's getting you, existential, you, you, but... You are, you are an early millennial. The late <laughs> yes. millennials would have been, there's something I'm not documenting. Damn it. 
No, not, there's, I, there's, there's an experience I'm not translating into ad clicks. Well, you know, I have to say, like, you know that uh, that saying, "Take a picture and it'll last longer." Yeah, it will last a lot longer than your memory because <laughs> my memory is just like this. It's just an organic blip, and if that blip, you know, uh, if that light goes out, like I don't have that memory and. I have to think about this because eventually it'll be 30 years from now. I mean, <laughs> I hope it doesn't go so fast, but, and I'm going to wake up one day and not be able to like, remember all these things I want to be able to, and my generation. So thus far, half of my life is digital. The first <laughs> half of my life is, is analog. We've got boxes and boxes of photos that need to be digitally archived. Okay. But I decided I would start with what I have immediate access to, which is the hard drives from my youth. Um, so it's been it's been an interesting experience, but I have to say uploading everything to Google Photos has been an absolute cinch. And so this is this is what I'm getting to is that for a project like this, Google Photos has been the easiest. I've literally just dragged and dropped from the hard drive as mounted to my PC to cl- the browser where the cloud is and just like zoop uploaded it. Immediately when it's finished, you can just make a little photo album for it. Give it a little name. I've been naming a lot of them based on dates because it's like a, you know, a bunch of stuff, a mess of stuff. Um, and I don't really want to organize it that much. It's a lot of work, <laughs> a lot of time I don't have. Um, it's just been, it's been a trip down memory lane, but also just me realizing that I'm basically preparing to archive these things. I just, I really have to think about how I'm going to be digitally archiving the rest of my life because I don't want this stuff to go away. Yeah. I really don't want it to like disappear. And I know that eventually it's going to start fluttering out of my mind. No, that's just to be super existential. No, 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 you're, 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 you're super on point there. It's like I did, I did, there, there was a, the, uh, I, I spent like a couple of months a long time ago, like going through every single hard drive that I put away someplace and even like every CDR that I had ever burned to now, now it was at the point where like mass storage became like crazy affordable mm-hmm. where I could now finally like without, without having to make a big budget plan for it, say, well, gee, I have all this space that I'm not using. I'm going to deliberately hunt down every last recorded, whatever I have and put it all in one place so I can back it all up. Uh, and the, the things that I, I just in the case of like, I haven't, I was not preparing for this, but I happened to have a 2.2.0 gigabyte <laughs> memory oh, card. I, I have plenty of those. Right, exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And, I have a couple talking, of those. <laughs> and we're, and we're talking about stuff like where, uh, <laughs> like I said, and like a, 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 or like the 1.0 gigabyte card that you bought for your first digital camera. And then, Memory like eventually, <laughs> and, and like, and then, like, eventually, you get like a, you you manage to finally afford an eight gigabyte card, and so mm-hmm. you basically just wherever wherever the one gigabyte card landed, just like stayed there. But the thing is, now you've got like at least like several dozen photos from, you know, nineteen seventy three that will that are still preserved on that card, and then when you find it again, it's like. Oh my god and also the ability to the, this is this is something that like fortunately i don't think you have ever had to deal with uh, uh you you were start you i think you probably started taking pictures like after the age of non-destructive editing where when when i when i started taking mm. pictures digitally like in the 90s or whatever there was uh, the storage space was so expensive 
And the idea of editing photos was so non-sophisticated that you would take your like 1600 by 1200 pixel image and you'd say, you know what, there's a, my, my cousin Ernie is like giving the camera the finger off the side of the, that lovely picture of like my mom and my dad. I think I'll just crop him out of that. And then when you crop him out of that, now it doesn't simply say record, okay, we'll make, don't, of course, don't destroy the original image, but, uh, but uh, a modern app will say, just remember that he wants just this section of it. And also he's applied this brightness change, this color change. And so if I have that old picture, all I have is this crop down version of it. And also with all of those really horrible, stupid, I don't know what I'm doing, brightness and color and that sort of stuff being added to it. Uh, and so when I cut, and so when I come back to uh, when I was doing this big big hunt, and every time I've looked at this six uh, six forty by four eighty version that I made of this magnificent sixteen hundred by twelve hundred picture for the purpose of emailing to like my mom or whatever, it's like oh my god, that's the original one, and and also I haven't done those that wacky stupid destructive brightness. I can actually now put it into a modern version of Photoshop. And apply like ten more years of technology and ten more years of me knowing what I'm doing. So yeah, it's that's I I every time you can do you can give yourself no bigger gift than somehow no matter how you do it. It doesn't even matter if you do it in an unsophisticated way. If you have a picture or a piece of video or whatever, put it on Dropbox somewhere. Even God help you, put it on Google Photos or some other or face or even Facebook where. They will make sure that they never <laughs> lose it because, well, I'm, I'm saying that the idea of making sure that this, because again, they are, they will make sure that like in 12 years from now, they're going to think, ooh, you know what? We forgot that, uh, that 12 years ago, we did not have the ability to do sub pixel scatter analysis of flow ions pictures to see what was like behind that tree when she took that picture. Let's re that means that they're going to preserve it no matter what happens. So you want these pictures to be preserved no matter what happens. That's all. Andy, I swear you and I should talk about doing bonus episodes where we just go down nostalgia holes in tech and just talk about our respective experiences from these like two generations, because it is super fascinating to just hear about the overlap between mm -hmm. like your tech life, my tech life, but also like I so much relate to you just about like the old <laughs> versions of Photoshop and just like trying to figure out how to get like a picture edited. Anyway, I know this is a Google podcast, but oh, we're, talking about, we're talking about Google Photos. So yeah, I, I do. I do the same thing too. Largely, uh, like I don't put every, I don't copy everything to Google Photos, but like when I finish like uh, uh, shooting, let's like roller derby and the let's not say how many pictures I took at during like a, a, a two hour event, but let's say that eventually I cut those down to a hundred, right. those are hundred I'll put up on Google photos. That's not even necessarily because I want to preserve them. I'll be honest and say, I'm actually kind of curious to see what Google photos will do with them. I'm kind of curious to see what the assistant will pop oh, up yeah. with in two or three days. A lot days. of movies, a lot of movies. Um, also, if you decide not to put it into a specific album, Google will make an album for you. Of course, it'll figure all that stuff out. Uh, you're going to get a lot of then and nows yep. in your feed. You're going to get a lot of flashbacks in your feed. So it's going to become like a constant stream of time hop. I will, I will report, uh, because now that I've basically added 15 years of my life <laughs> to Google's, that's a lot. That's half of my life at this stage. That's a lot of my life. Uh, and I know that we've got children out there 
I'm sorry, I'm referring to some of you as children. I know we have children <laughs> out there who have been on the internet much more than I have or who have more of their lives digitally archived, but I'm still a little, you know, I'm an early millennial, okay? I'm the special, I'm the last generation that's going to have both digital and analog. You can yeah. be both blamed for everything and be smug to people yes. about everything. Yes. Uh, uh, this, 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 this is normally just like a saying, but I, I I literally have ties older than you. Now, granted, these are like the ties that I bought for like my summer job, like from high school, yes. probably. But mo- many of my ties are older than you. That's fair. That's I saying. also that's, have that's some fine. ties that are older than me uh, because my father-in-law has given us some of his ties. I was about to say I also have I also have two ties that are older than me because yeah, I, have, I have a couple of my, my my dad's old ties. Okay, so I've been doing all this archiving at home. That's basically what I've been incubating at home doing. Uh, I know it sounds you know this is what happens, and I'm also a nester, so this is why I do a lot of this stuff. Before before we move off of Google Photos, though, one last thing that I I have to praise uh, I have to praise is due even unto Caesar at times, uh, and so uh, this was the this was the year that I decided to enter some of my pictures into like my first actual like juried photo exhibition. And I had a specific photo that I didn't, I, I st- was starting to look for it. Uh, it was actually a, a, an iPhone 10 photo. So mm. I know it was, it was likely that it had been automatically uploaded in full resolution. So I may as well just go, go into Google photos and search for fences. Uh, and it also turned up another picture that I'd taken with my, uh, uh, with my Google Pixel phone, that actually was just as good, and so I have entered both of those pictures. And I, I probably would have forgotten about that other picture, and probably wouldn't have entered it. But that's that's the other thing that I love Google Photos for is just key, the fact that it keywords everything, and even it, even if it just reminds me that this picture exists, and then reminds me of oh well, that's just a JPEG version of this really wonderful raw file that you have that's backed up onto the server. It will remind me this photo exists and remind me to take a look at the 2015 archives and get the raw file to like do some more cool stuff with. So Google Photos is just so powerful. Let's hope it holds on to this forever for me. <laughs> Nothing gold can stay, Please. Pony Boy. Um, so because I've been home just nesting pretty much is what is this digital nesting. This is this, yeah, this is digital nesting. I like that. Um, I'm coining a new term. Uh, I have, I have been going out though to the gym. I have been getting my steps in. And so I've been using the new Google fit and, um, I know this was news last week, but I have to say I'm very disappointed that they took away the widget. Oh yeah. Like the widget was a staple on my home screen for the last two years, two years. If you look back through the photos that I've used in articles that I've written about Android and you see that widget, you will, or you see that home screen, you will see that widget because it was such an integral part of my life and letting me know how many minutes throughout the day I actually had activity done. And here's the thing, I don't wear a watch because again, I have found no Android Wear watch or whatever it's called now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I I just don't want to wear it. I'm not into it. I don't like it. It's uncomfortable. I'm not really a watch person. I want to be able to track every physical thing that I do from my phone solely. And I still don't feel the, the new Google Fit does that even though it looks a lot prettier. Andy, have you had time to use it? 
I have. Uh, I I like the fact that it's more abstract than uh, than Google Fit used to be. Like on the watch, it's like I, I. That's one thing I really really miss about the Apple Watch, that I don't need to know how many steps I've taken or like how many what's I've done towards my weekly goal of biking. I just want to see here is a circle. If the circle is closed, good for you. If the circle is not closed, and there's more time of the day, why not make some progress on that circle? If you don't. We won't get on your back about it, but we'll just show you that. And But we will give you a, a, a little graphical cookie every time you complete your circles. And we'll keep making up bogus achievements to claim that the, the fake gold stars and participation trophies to keep you actually active and moving and doing things that will not uh, that will prolong your life, if not uh, and not shorten your life. Uh, and so that's why I, I do like that it's kind. I do like that it's kind of a ripoff of that central idea from uh, from the Apple Watch. Uh, I can definitely. Yeah, I've been some- jealous of everyone with an Apple Watch. Yeah. I want it. It's so satisfying. It hits my dopamine levels a lot like 20 <laughs> minutes on the elliptical does. Or or uh, like obsessively like uh, like recataloging my, my comics from the 1980s and deciding that this time I'm going to put Peter Parker, the spectacular Spider-Man uh, and uh, recatalog them as S because it, they changed the title to simply spectacular Spider-Man, Spider-Man without changing the numbering. That's, that's also something that's very, very. See, that's you know, that there's there's that uh, there's that uh, uh, that set theory, uh, the, the a set theory quandary that's illustrated by the idea of what if you what if you the, the government orders every single library to a cat, produce a catalog, a printed catalog of every book in the library, keep one copy for itself and send the uh, send the second copy to this library Congress. We can have one central court and. At each individual library, of course, the person who does this is faced with a quandary that, okay, I'm done cataloging the library's contents and I've produced like this catalog I'm supposed to keep, but now do I add the catalog to my catalog of libraries, of, of books in the library, or do I simply designate it as the catalog is not properly part of our holdings because it wasn't, and some of the, and some of the libraries decided to do it one way, some of the libraries do it the, the other way, and this illustrates a quandary of set theory. This is this, but this does reflect, again, comic book collectors that do you put Peter Parker, the spectacular Spider-Man under P or S? It's difficult, and you could, you could learn, BuzzFeed could do a list about Things I could learn about your personality based on how you decide to organize your comic books, CDs, or love letters of people that you've dumped or have dumped. Or you. in my case, Sailor Moon cards, uh, which That'll is the thing too. I have I have gotten back into yeah. um, again but, after 15 years. But 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 I agree with you. The, the witch is, is such a big deal uh, because I do you know I do need to have that little number reminding me, not goading me, but at least reminding me. Like if I, if I'm on the fence about taking a bike ride or not, I can that that might get me out of the house. That well, you know that if you sp- if you just spend like 30 minutes on the bike today, that will count towards your goal of four times of spending 30 minutes on the bike during the week. And then if again if I'm on the fence, yes, that'll take that'll take me out there. But I, I'm looking forward to seeing what it does in the future, particularly with new wear watches uh, that I might be buying in the next couple of months or new updates to Wear OS that we might be talking about later on. Maybe. So I do want to point out that in the new Google Fit app, when you go into my activity, you can see this beautiful dynamic visualization of your activity for the month. And it basically shows clusters of circles and the bigger and darker the circle, the more you moved that day yeah and then the smaller the smaller and lighter the circle you know maybe
maybe you were a little more sedentary that, you know, maybe you had a lot of stuff going <laughs> on that day, which, you know, if you live in a car first area like me happens, um, it, <laughs> It is, uh, I will say, just like the last three months, it's really interesting looking at like the beginning of summer. Yay, the warm weather is out. <laughs> I'm so excited. I'm going out every single day. I could see if I show, let's see if Andy can see. I'm going to actually try and show Andy over the Skype window. Uh, see, you know, it was like June. I just, I was really, really getting into it, especially on the weekends. <laughs> I was going out, all right? Okay, it's, it's like it's like bacteria clusters on a petri dish. Exactly. And then in July, oh, we were trying, you know, we we're trying hold on to summer, everyone. Let's keep going on the weekends. Like, okay, now we're in August. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not telling you what it says for August, by the way. That's you had, you had a hell of a say. Friday, though. <laughs> oh yeah, I did. That was the day I. I went to the gym um you you know this but it's fine look it's fine i will say i really like this new this whole new redone visualization uh schematic that's going on here it does look way more mature i have a feeling that um more mature compared to what google fit looked like last time it it did it did feel a little elementary in its last um in its last uh whatever implementation, like the way that it looked, the interface. Um, but this one, it just looks more polished. Like I want to use it because it's fun to look at. And I just really hope they bring that widget back. And I hope it's just as satisfying yeah. when it closes as the one is the, as the one that is on the home screen. Ah, I had so much coffee before this podcast. Now I'm talking too uh, fast for my tongue to catch oh, up. Well, it's, <laughs> it's fine. If, if, if anything, it will encourage people who use that play at 2x speed thing to maybe turn it off. <laughs> let it let us savor what's going on in this podcast. Yes. Should we um should we savor an ad? Uh yes. We should savor an ad. Yes, we will savor we will savor our next ad. Everybody lean back. Remember, this is this is supposed to be an experience, not just information. So for every syllable, just give it a pause, reflect, let it just slosh around your auditory canal. And then when you feel as though you've wrung every last emotional erg of energy from it, move on to the next word. I think you'll enjoy it. This episode is brought to you by our brilliant friends over at Pingdom. Pingdom are brilliant because they help keep your sites and the sites you love online. Pingdom monitor your site so you don't have to and give you real-time feedback so you know exactly what's going on at all times. The internet is awesome, but stuff does break all the time. Pingdom detects around 13 million outages every month. That's more than 400,000 outages every day. It doesn't matter if you're a startup or a Fortune 500 company. You need alerts about any critical website issues. They'll let you customize how you are alerted depending on the severity of an outage. Plus, they'll track and analyze your website's load time so you can see what's affecting the user experience. If you have a site of any size, you need Pingdom. And Pingdom have a no-fuss approach to getting started. All they need is the URL you want to monitor, and they'll take care of the rest. Go to pingdom.com slash RelayFM right now for a 14-day free trial with no credit card required. Then, when you sign up, use the code MATERIAL at checkout to get a huge 30% off your first invoice. Our thanks to Pingdom for their support of this show and Relay FM. 
You know, Andy, I think you have a backup plan as an as a ASMR uh, <laughs> calming, <laughs> you know, voice on the other end. I have often thought that thought that if you have a if you're gifted with a lush baritone voice, it's your job to instill calm and peace in other people. Because you know, all those people who are stuck with tenor voices, of course, they get the best R and B songs oh, and the best okay, arias and opera. But who's going to say? Now, Flo, <laughs> I wouldn't worry about all this work you're doing because you're creating a great life for yourself. You'd much rather have Flo. I'm. Gl- I know that you wouldn't take on more than you can handle, and you're making <laughs> such a wonderful investment, <laughs> not only in yourself but in your career. Um. So we're about to we're about to drop some facts. <laughs> so I I kind of went through our doc today before we did our show, and I wanted to structure it a little bit because I feel like last week we talked about having a discussion about the location history tracking that has become a topic of discussion in Google Circles, and to really break it down, we've got to talk about it and break it down for you. So we're going to break it down first. We're going to lay it out all for you. Use all the cliches I possibly can to get us started. And then we're going to uh and then we're going to round it out with a discussion. I didn't think no, I needed uh, to lay that out, but No, but I but did. but, uh, but, uh, but uh, just just in case. Now again, we are sort of like a bi-generational podcast and uh, representing generation X. Uh, a lot of you listeners my age are going to be thinking that by breakdown we mean that uh, the musical or rhythmic break in a record, <laughs> at which point we throw ourselves to the ground and spin and do those dances. We're not talking about that. We're not breaking here. We are uh, we are sort of like reducing facts into uh, erg into increments of data. So, so if you already had like the sheet of cardboard out, I mean, leave it there because you know you might have guests over uh, again. Uh, Generation X guests, uh, yeah, and any excuse for 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 a good break jam, but. Uh, uh, this is not where we talk. You won't be using it during. Well, uh, we shouldn't say if you can keep the headphones in while you're breaking. That's great. Pop. Maybe you should be popping and locking instead, because I think there would be mo- there'd be better, particularly for those like wireless uh, earphones. Well, let me tell you that if you're trying to keep your location secret for you and your dancing friends, that's not possible if you've oh, got yeah, Google good. Maps back on track. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, on your phone, because okay. So earlier this month, we're in the month of August when we're recording this. So earlier this month, there was an AP exclusive about uh, Google tracking your movements, whether you like it or not. So basically, the article stated that um, so the AP had investigated and had found that many Google services on Android devices and iPhones store your location data, even if you've used a privacy setting that say it will prevent Google from doing so. So this is frustrating because when and I know that as an Android user for me, that when I go in and say I want location off, I'm hoping that there's no way Google knows where I'm going. It turns out that this is not true. So for the most part, Google is upfront about asking you for your permission to use your location information. You know, like when you're in Google Maps, it'll tell you, hey, you got to turn on location if you want to use it. And that makes sense, right? You're in a Maps app, got to use GPS, got to engage all those chips you know, make it work the right way. But when you don't want to use Google Maps and you want it off, what's really happening? Well, it's actually storing your minute by minute travels. So yes, wherever you're going, the coffee shops you're passing by, the streets you cross to 
whatever, walk by a piece of scenery. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, Google's going to like learn all of that about you. Um, so Google says that it, uh, prevents itself from remembering where you've been. So even though it's tracking this data, it's just kind of there. Uh, there's even a little bit on its support page that says you can turn off location history at any time. And when you turn it off, the places you go are no longer stored, but that's not actually true because <laughs> even with it paused, there are Google apps that automatically store time-stamped location data without asking you. Um, it is possible to delete all this stuff, but it's super laborious. And when we're talking about user-friendliness with regards to something like location data, I mean, it cannot be difficult to do because that's that's that doesn't look good uh, to the people using it. So there is a Princeton computer scientist named Jonathan Mayer who... Uh, you know, was quoted in this article saying storing location data in violation of a user's preference is wrong. Uh, and I agree, of course, as a user, uh, if you're going to allow users to turn off something called location history, then all the places where you maintain location history should be turned off. He said, that seems like a pretty straightforward position to have. Yes, it's true. But Google, for its part, says that it's using this location history about you to improve your experience. Um, you know, it's using location history, web and app activity, and all the little pings that go through the location services to determine where Flo and Andy should eat, where Flo and Andy should go and sit and read a book, uh, where Flo might enjoy a night out with her girlfriends. Right. Uh, Google does provide clear descriptions of its tools, like it says, and robust controls so that we can turn it on and off and delete our histories. But like I said, sometimes it's not laid out in the most user-friendly manner. And it's not really convincing to lawmakers either because they're like, hey, you're tracking people without letting them know. So this is fun. Um, Google has updated its help page to kind of clarify what it is that its location history features do, but there is a clash action suit already filed against the company. This was, this happened last week. Uh, we're recording this August 29th. So it happened, um, August 24th. It claims that this AP, uh, excuse me, the electronic privacy information center tattled to the FTC claiming that. The AP story we had just talked about shows Google violating its 2011 agreement with the FTC promising not to change its terms of use and service deceptively. Andy, I thought I would pass it to you for the Vanderbilt <laughs> study because the plot thickens in this case. Yeah, um, let's just let's just say this is a very, very bad time for <laughs> for these stories to be surfacing uh, because uh, it all concerns uh the power of a large, huge, super giant corporation to track the comings and goings of citizens, without those citizens being particularly aware of what's happening. This is happening in the shadow of, uh, you might remember, I think it was in June, maybe early July, uh, the House Energy and, yeah. and Commerce Committee specifically wrote letters to uh, Apple and Google uh, citing mostly Google's lo uh, uh, location tracking, saying that, okay, you gotta, you're going to have to tell us 
through a, through a response to this letter, how are you tracking people? How are the how are your third party mm-hmm. apps tracking people? How are you and all this? So this is this is way before either of these things have, uh, came out. Uh, so yeah, so Douglas Schmidt, a professor at Vanderbilt University, uh, decided to uh, did, did a very very extensive study to understand how Google is tracking people, uh, and came came up with a number of. Uh, a number of findings that are will be surprising even to people who are very very aware of what Google is doing, uh, and uh, the, he summarizes. Uh, he it's a long paper. It's about you can download the PDF and it's actually very good and very readable. Uh, but the the key the, the highlighted features are pretty direct. Uh, number one, they're they're pointing out. The, I'll, I'll quote I'll quote the the the, the bullet points from here, uh, saying that uh, Google learns a great deal about a user's personal interests during even a single day of typical internet usage, and for this, uh, they equipped uh, a uh, researcher with a brand new Android phone fitted with a brand new SIM card and created a brand new Google account for uh, her to use this with. And she spent an entire day using it as a typical Google user were uh, would have. And they were surprised not just by how much data it collected, uh, but also that, number one, it figured it determined that about two-thirds of the data that collected was uh, collected via passive means. So it's not as though, hey, I'm going to go onto YouTube. I'm going to open the YouTube Google app and ask the YouTube Google app to show me pictures of paella. And wow, it figured out that I'm interested in paella. But no, we're talking about she just happened to like be visiting a series of sites and, th- and through things that maybe they wouldn't be aware that they're being tracked. It, it, it collected all this information. Uh, at the end of the day, Google identified user interests with remarkable accuracy. Uh, hmm. It also is pointing out uh, that how yes, much... Yes, it does. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Again, okay, that's, that, some, some of these might be... In the, hey, in the I get a little of, surprise yeah. when it gives me a really good restaurant recommendation. It says you would be 93% into this and that I am definitely at least 93% into it. Anyway, go on. Yeah. So there's so the and broadly there's active versus passive collection. Yes. Uh, they're also doing. They also decided to monitor how these things are working uh, and determining that even when you have an Android phone that is just on a table, not moving around, it's collecting a hell of a without in being interacted with at all. Uh, they did an experiment with a dormant and stationary Android phone with Chrome active in the background, and it communicated location information to Google 340 times during a 24-hour <laughs> period. Or uh, average of fourteen data communications oh. per hour. Uh, in fact, location information constituted thirty-five percent of all the data samples sent to Google. Uh, and uh, in contrast, and this is where it looks even worse for Google, uh, a similar experiment showed that on an iOS Apple device with Safari, where neither Android nor Chrome were used, Google could not collect any appreciable data, location or otherwise, in the absence of a user interaction with the device. Uh, and after a user starts interacting with an Android phone, meaning even if it's just like it's in your pocket and you're moving around, let alone you're visiting web pages, using apps, uh, then, of course, the passive communications to Google increases significantly, even if you're not using specific Google products. And these are driven mostly by Google Analytics, DoubleClick, AdWords. Uh, so if you're losing, basically, if you're using the web, some information is going to come back to Google, even if you're not using a Google app or Google product. Um, and the other, but so there's passive versus active, but there's also uh, the pointing out the huge tactical advantage 
that uh, Google has by I've we have made you an operating system as well as making you apps as well as making the ad network that the web is using. Uh, and the look what we've was, given you. Look, yeah, love us. You're welcome. We love you. Just take it, take yeah. it all. So without, without <laughs> getting to all the without getting to all the stats, basically saying that the the, the level of intimacy and the level of information that it can pull from you again, not necessarily by you visited a Google site and a Google service with a Google app just by simply the difference between having doing what you're doing on Android versus doing it on uh, on uh, doing it on an iOS device. Uh, the differences are just huge. So it's using a lot of uh, using a lot of uh, in, in, internal uh, mojo uh, in Android, which we could have guessed. But sometimes we need to have this, these things spelled out to us with data. They say the uh, uh, magnitude of data. Uh, they, they did. They did one test where, uh, uh, quote, when while using an iOS device, if a user decides to forego the use of any Google product, i.e., no Android, no Chrome, no Google applications, and visits only non-Google web pages, the number of times data is communicated to Google services still remains surprisingly high. Again, due to advertisers slash publisher services, and the number of times. Here's the here's the interesting piece of data that was kind of worded, not in a way that I couldn't immediately understand. So I had to like do a lot more reading about it. Uh, so hmm. the number of times that these uh, advertiser publisher services are called uh, are roughly the same on an iOS device versus an Android device. Here we go. But the magnitude of the data during all these, each of those hits is roughly double on there you an Android go. device. There you go. Go ahead. Go ahead. I see you yeah. dangling it in front of us. I know yeah. what you're about to do. I get it. Yeah. Um, and the, 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 there's really only one part of the entire study that looks uh, that, that smells like it could be a little bit weird uh they were there there's one section which they're being a little bit speculative they're saying well how good is incognito mode and <laughs> oh this is fun uh sorry i just i literally had a conversation with my friends about incognito mode yep. like three days ago sorry go ahead so uh, <laughs> the study they were they uh, they came up with a plausible scenario under which uh, the Google Chrome browser could ascertain your activity during a incognito mode outside of incognito mode, essentially by taking information that was transacted during that session, comparing it to other cook is a complicated way, but it, they basically said it was technically feasible uh, or claimed it was technically feasible. Uh, what they didn't really highlight was this would only work if you're incognito mode and you decided while in, in, in incognito mode to log into your Google account. Uh, and then meanwhile, Google said, no, that doesn't work that way because we will we delete all that stuff. Uh, even if you do log into your right. Google account, we delete all that stuff as soon as you exit incognito modes. So it wouldn't possibly work. So but so that really was the only part of it, though, that seemed like even when you first read it, even without Google's response, that seems like number one incognito mode. And I'm going to sign into a personalized account. And then, yeah, that wasn't how I understood incognito mode to work. But we're talking. But we're, I'm highlighting this because it was the one. It's something that seems the most nefarious. As though the rest of this was not bad enough. Uh, but it's the only one where you can sort. You want to raise your hand and ask for. Uh, please show your work. The rest of the stuff <laughs> is pretty pretty weird. But Google Google did <laughs> did defend themselves by throwing throwing some mud at the organization mm -hmm. that. Uh, commissioned the study and also the author of the study 
without actually saying that none of the <laughs> none of the things in this multi, in this 50 page document are true they they basically said that the uh, here's a I'll, I'll quote them quote this report is commissioned by a professional DC lobbyist group and written by a witness for Oracle in their ongoing copyright litigation for Google so comma it's no surprise that it contains wildly misleading information and that's see that's a really great phrase that if you are sort of in damage control uh, mm-hmm. for yourself or your company Let's, we look at the we look at this phrase. It's no surprise that it contains wildly misleading mm-hmm. information. So if it contains one, if you, if it contains information about ninety nine houses that I broke into and stole things from, and it gets the street address of one of them wrong, well, that's wildly misleading information. It wasn't thirteen <laughs> Mockingbird Lane. It was one thirty eight Mockingbird Drive, and that's misleading. So it didn't. So we're still leaving on the table. It's possible that I'm not. I haven't actually refuted that I broke into 99 houses. Just that one of those addresses might be wrong. So maybe not. Not the not the, the strong strong firepower sauce we would like to see in a defense if someone is actually innocent of the things that are being said. So this doesn't make me feel nice and warm and fuzzy as a consumer. <laughs> uh, it just feels. I mean. Not- not even if we got you a, a plush New York Jets queen size blanket that's the right size for the mattress you ordered three months ago and the favorite sports team that you've been listening to on live streams for the past three weeks. I would actually love. I am wearing a velour. <laughs> uh, I'm wearing the top part of my velour tracksuit right now, and it's very comfortable. I just would like everybody to know that while we were having this very intense discussion about Google tracking us, uh, I am very comfortable. So in a in a track suit, no less. Well, only the top half because again, the pants are upstairs. Um, I'm wearing so yoga pants. It, so at the moment, Google is not tracking your pants. <laughs> yes. Um, well, no. Okay, so my phone has been right here, so Google knows I've been sitting here podcasting <laughs> <laughs> for the last forty five minutes. Um, so this brings us to okay. So we all just we just laid down everything that's going on with this location tracking. With what's going down with location tracking. So now this brings us to the question. So I, my first question that popped up in my head after reading all of the source material for today's podcast was, do we need regulations on this sort of thing? Do we need somebody to come out or some organization to come out or the government to come out and say, location tracking can only be limited to like these particular parameters, so as to keep the people safe. Um, what do you think? You 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 ask you ask the question, so I you did. have to answer it. I will. It's true. I do have to answer it. Um, yes, <laughs> I do. So actually, let me explain to you why I said yes. Because the truth of the matter is, I don't have concrete reasons for why I believe this, but I do believe that we have reached a point in tech where because we have these tiny computers in our pockets that are tracking everything that we have to start putting some limitations on how much companies, how much data companies can take from it. Um, I would love to see something that just protects consumers to a certain extent, because eventually these companies could work with the government and I, you know, I would like to have my information protected in some capacity. And I don't think it's fair to say that because I paid for the privilege of having cell service everywhere in the world that I should have my every single move tracked and then used to sell 
product. But I guess, but I guess there's also the question of, oh, you know, and then the question comes in, well, you signed the social contract of buying the phone. So clearly, like, you understood <laughs> the implications of what you were getting into. But this is precisely why I feel like there needs to be some sort of system that's that's helping keep all of this in order. And I know regulation is a scary word, but, you know, it also means to keep these things in order. <laughs> that's why yep. things are regulated. That's why heat is regulated. <laughs> So it doesn't yeah. get too hot. <laughs> yeah, that that's how that's how uh, American business seems to work. I'm not saying it's necessarily wrong because the alternative is to pre-regulate an industry that doesn't exist. You basically wait for the paper processing plant to, without any regulations on what it can do with waste chemicals, to do what it's the best for its own personal private yeah. business. And then when the river starts running orange and yeah. then the children start running green, you say, you know what? Maybe we should maybe that you know that thank you, green children. You have pointed out that we possibly need to issue <laughs> thank some you, controls. Green children for your yeah. sacrifice for our mistake. <laughs> Especially by for and also for standing in street corners and cutting down on our street light budget uh for year after year after year. Uh so we essentially we're in the position of privacy in the United States where we've been doing nothing and now that's not working well for us. Uh, and of course, yes. if we'd started off with that sort of stuff, we wouldn't have the uh, for all the bad stuff that happens with Google tracking us. Uh, a lot of good stuff happens too. Yes, meaning that I get a notification that, by the way, you, your appointment is at four a four p.m. today, and you will definitely be late because if you leave for it at your usual time, I know you normally get in your car at two at three o'clock. You really need to get going at two thirty today. I really wanted to do that sort of stuff, and wouldn't yeah. have the, those features would not be able to uh, be created. To say nothing of all the great things that Google Maps can do, to say nothing of all the inf like uh, going, uh, keeping on navigation since we're talking about location, the fact that it's tracking location of so many people uh, as passively, be, it means it's able to not only figure out what live traffic is at any given moment, mm -hmm. but also be able to analyze historical data and figure out what traffic is going to be at any given data. But the problem is that now we are at a point where it's with no regulation whatsoever. It's just being wildly, wildly yeah. abused. Um, and so we definitely need uh, to have some sort of fundamental, if not, nece not necessarily a specific law restraining specific activity, but a basic federal law that explains here are what your rights are to your own data. I think that we need some sort of version of the fact that uh, of the uh, of the principle that your personal data belongs to you. And that whatever agreement you sign, you're not transferring ownership of that data to Google. You're simply leasing that data to Google, and you can rescind that lease at any time. So, and they and now Google and uh, Facebook and every other ad company, they have to figure out how to implement that. And I don't think that will be terribly disruptive so long as the process is 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 above board. I I want to have the ability to say that. I don't like the fact that you're that I like the I, I'm willing to trust Google with this information. I'm not willing to trust Facebook with it. I'm sure as hell not willing to trust yeah. an ad network with this information. So I'm rescinding my license to any data you track from date A to date B. Uh, and even if I have to even if I have to renew that every week or so, that's fine. If I'm interested in that, I should do that. Mm -hmm. uh, that's why I think that we need that sort of stuff. And on, we have sort of a double-edged sword here. California passed uh, the first really, really big uh, statewide uh, consumer privacy initiative uh, over the summer. And now, of course, all of these tech companies are scared spitless. 
and they're and they're they are putting on their paper their paper wings and their tinfoil halos and saying, you know what? But it just doesn't go far. What we need is a federal law that protects all citizens in the United States. And what they actually mean is that we really, really hate these this strong law in California. We would like Congress to pass a law that we, <laughs> the wolves yeah. in the hen house, define for you. Right. Uh, and also, and by the way, a, a really, really important part of this is that no state has the right to pass a law that's more powerful than what we're giving you here and now. Uh, and it's it's going to be it's going to be a huge problem either either way because you know uh that's the if uh if uh if uh, let's let's just say that if, if uh congress had sort of a I hope this doesn't I'm not being gauche by using this comparison but you can't deny that when 9/11 happened congress did stuff they did they yeah. did not not react they did the absolute opposite of not reacting and now we're dealing with homeland security and now we're dealing with ice now we're dealing with a lot of uh, machines uh, that are not piloted uh, that are surveilling and killing people uh, sometimes correctly sometimes incorrectly but basically now there's no way to stop this what i'm afraid of is that if uh, if congress were to act swiftly and decisively but also too strongly Google goes out of business in two years. Facebook, I don't care. They'll go out of business too. But if you can't, you just like if if uh, the government decided that Apple can no longer sell iPhones, uh, bad example because they've got so much money in cash that they could sort of coast along for five yeah. years while they wait for driverless cars to technology to mature. But given how much how much of their, uh, their of Google's money is made from advertising, if they all of a sudden had to, if all of the, if all of their methods of uh, delivering uh, not only ad network services but also services to individuals was taken away. They would be out of business really quickly. They would be. They would be in the. They would be making donuts in four years' time. Sure, that's true. Uh, but there is, I believe, a good middle ground. I don't. The, I think the primary issue is the fact that uh, the public is not very empowered with information when it comes to their digital data. Uh, right now, it is being. I would say right now, what we're seeing in the headlines that are that's that's being tossed, you know, towards the quote unquote everyday people. And I'm, I'm sorry, I don't mean that, um, disparagingly. I just mean <laughs> like the people who are not us who are like watching Twitter every second of the day and kind of like soaking in that information because by the way, there are people who don't do that all day. Um, yep. I think some of them are probably a lot healthier <laughs> than <laughs> some of us, but anyway, that's beside the point. Um, I don't think those people are as empowered with this information because I feel like this information gets more propagated in our particular like tech circles and not so much into mainstream circles. I think because it's not taught. It's just we don't like we don't learn about our lives with technology as part of being a, in society. Like we haven't taught a way to teach people to empower them. Does that make sense? Where I'm getting at? No, that that, that that makes sense, but that it also highlights our responsibility. Yeah, and not only like the two of us who are in journalism positions and also do yes. podcasts, but all the listeners who are actively interested in this sort of stuff. Um, it's one thing to uh, we you need a certain level of awareness and scope of understanding to understand that. Yes, uh, this shot, this nightly shot of whiskey is helping you to get necessary sleep because you're losing a lot of sleep as a pregnant lady. 
what I'm telling you is that in the long term, it should not you should not do that because I understand I'm a doctor, I'm a medical scientist, and I understand the effects of alcohol right. on the reproductive on, on, on developing fetuses. And I'm telling you, it's not going. It's I'm saying that the it's not an obvious thing to people who aren't looking at the entire chessboard who only see one corner of it who only think that wow isn't it cool that it reminded me to buy eggs and knew i was out of eggs without figuring out that, that why did wait i didn't i never added add eggs to this thing and i've never actually added eggs to a shopping list before nor have i bought eggs <laughs> what did it use my location tracking inside this supermarket that and not knowing that there are also there are also Bluetooth beacons inside uh, this big supermarket to help Google Maps be able to get help you to navigate, but also figure out that you you typically stop at the dairy counter, <laughs> and then being able to use Android Pay to say, oh, he actually bought eggs, so let's make sure we remind him that he ha- he he has a need for eggs at this time. Uh, we have to be we. I, I think that people should be uh, free to make whatever decisions they want to make, even within certain limits, if that. Uh, decision might be against their best interests but i don't think that they should a company should be should allow to uh keep people in the dark or even worse do, do something as misleading as has as give them a big green glowing button good big green glowing on off switch for location tracking and not tell them that oh there's this thing called uh cpu multi-core dynamic power uh you've already lost a lot of people <laughs> It's like that's that's that's, that's what that, happens. That's what, we, that's what we decided to call like the advanced location tracking. Like <laughs> yes, it's I, I, if if Google if if Google gets does stuff like this and they're being completely above board about it, there becomes it, it becomes a different conversation. But if it looks like they are putting a lot of their business faith in the idea that people will never have any idea of exactly what we're doing. That's awfully bad. Yeah. And when a study like this comes out, they should not say that, well, because the author of this study was a was a witness against us in a lawsuit, that means you can't trust anything you do. You have to basically look at the numbers that he and his methodology and say, this is these are this is the specific faults in his methods and methodologies. This is not this. is Yes, this is being uh, uh, reproduced in every single tech uh, site and even mainstream uh, publications, but it is also an academic paper that you can actually take a look at the data of and point to point to mistakes. And until you point to those mistakes, you look guilty as hell. Yeah, and also, um, you know, if this if this is something that concerns you, I realize we're not giving a lot of like, well, what should you do? So there's the first thing you can do is when you're hearing that, you know, tech companies are coming together to, uh, to pass federal laws that allow them to basically set the (laughs) rules for you. Like that's gotta, that's gotta shine some red lights. So that's when you kind of start to talk to the people around you in your life, ask them how they feel about some of these things. I know they're really weird conversations to have, but uh, this is 2018 and it is the era of uncomfortable conversations to have with our friends and family if you feel safe enough to do that. And in all honesty, I do that sometimes. I will just, I mean, my family expects it from me because obviously what I do for a living, but um, but it is very insightful to hear what they have to say when you when you really give them the floor to talk about uh, their tech use and what they know about it and to kind of help when you empower them it they they feel really they're yeah they're thankful for it it's you know it doesn't usually go too bad <laughs> and and let's not forget that Thanksgiving is 
oh, okay, it's a few months away, but that's usually when you fix people's phones and you answer that you you react it to is. But whatever they've been. Isn't what, it after the elections, before. the midterms? Yeah. So we got to start. Well, you got to start now. <laughs> your work. Uh, well, so that's, a, that's number. <laughs> they've one. already written the check at that point. Um, number two is, and you know, sorry to tell you to do this, but go to google.com or I guess <laughs> bing.com, but JK, this is the material podcast or duck, duck, go. Yes. Uh, and type in how to stop Google from tracking you and look for any article that was published after August 13th, 2018. And you will see updated how to's from sites like PC mag and wired, uh, that will help you figure out how to turn off this location tracking on your Android device, especially if you are feeling super weird about it. Uh, and if you don't feel weird about it and you're just like, eh, definitely stay tuned to what's going on around you law wise. <laughs> At the mm. very least, <laughs> yeah, that's our PSA. Yeah, you know, you know, it would be really cool, and I don't, I don't believe that that Google would ever do this, but I think that would be like the ultimate, like, uh, escape trap door against all this sort of stuff. If they added, like, because Android is uh, multi-user, if they added like uh, a second user, which is uh, like the the, the cl in Claude Rains mode, where if you booted in an in Invisible Man mode or Invisible Person mode, then Essentially, it becomes a burner phone or a ghost phone that is incapable of tracking or recording anything. Where it's the most secure mm -hmm. phone you can possibly—it's not 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 military secure, not according to standards secure. But I'm talking about that. If forensically, if someone were to look at this phone, they would know that from one boot to uh, one boot to another, no information of any kind is kept, and also no information is being tracked or sent to uh, sent to servers. Uh, and basically, again, make it a whole new mode. Uh, and so that, number one, it would be there for people who, <laughs> A, it would allow people, it would allow them to, like, respond to Congress by saying, well, yeah, I mean, that's normal Android. But if you just hold down, like, both power buttons while you restart, then you basically, you'll get the, the background turns into sort of like a grid. So it warns you that we're not, anytime that a website tries to store a cookie, it will be deleted off the server. It doesn't do ad tracking. We, we do, we're doing proactive th things. Uh, but it will also, also remind people that, wow, the web sucks when it's really <laughs> secure and, and anonymous. It's like, I hate having to type in passwords. And I hate having to like forget, forgetting what kind of boots I was looking at on that site a week ago. Like I kind of, I kind of want to be monetized at this point because this is a pain in the butt. So speaking of modernization. No, I just no, it just occurred to me that it's just like those bad, like uh like uh educational films about like, oh, I hope I I wish zinc oxide never existed. Boing! So you don't want don't want zinc oxide anymore, do you? You got your wish. Like, what the I can't write with this pencil anymore. That's right. Uh, yes. Zinc oxide is an important component in the use of graphite. Well, I'm gonna call my Congress right now and have them what the <laughs> that's right zinc oxide is used in the production of many metals including the copper in your wiring so that's <laughs> oh google give me back tracking <laughs> well i'll give you back location tracking at your every move but just this once now never make such a foolish wish ever again and scene yes let's go for a break <laughs> This episode of Material is brought to you by RX Bar. RX Bars are whole food protein bars with simple, real ingredients. They believe in being totally transparent 
That's why all their core ingredients are listed right there on the front of the packet. They're real ingredients you recognize. They have egg whites for protein, dates to bind, nuts for texture, and other delicious ingredients like unsweetened chocolate, real fruit, and real spices like sea salt or cinnamon. Whether you like sweet or savory, chocolate or fruit flavors, there's definitely an RX bar for you. RX bars come in 14 delicious flavors, including mango pineapple, chocolate hazelnut, apple cinnamon, and coffee chocolate. RX bars are gluten-free, soy-free, dairy-free with none of the bad stuff like artificial colors, artificial flavors, preservatives, or fillers. They're great for breakfast on the go, a snack at the office to push you through the 3 p.m. slump, throwing into your bag for the plane, tossing into your backpack for a bike ride or a hike, or a pre- or post-workout snack. I received the chocolate sea salt and peanut butter chocolate bars, and I have to say, it's really delicious biting into a bar that tastes like it's supposed to be dessert, but it's actually fueling me up for the elliptical. I really like the fact that they're also packaged the perfect size, they're easy to transport in my purse, and they're always on me for when I need a little bit of help on my ever so falling blood sugar. Oops. Try them for yourself now. Try them for yourself. And for 25% off your first order, visit rxbar.com backslash material and enter the promo code material at checkout. That's rxbar.com backslash material. If you want to try them out for yourself, 25% off your first order, promo code material. Our thanks to rxbar for their support of the show and the Relay FM network. It was actually, I was laughing at that because <laughs> wasn't there like a Simpsons scene that was like, anyway, anyway. Well, there, it's been a million times. The Kentucky Fried movie has a great version of that. But how do I use zinc oxide? <laughs> Zinc oxide is used in that bar of soap in your hand. Boing. Even that dishcloth. Boing. The brakes on your on your on your husband's car. The battery in your pacemaker. The regulator on that fire extinguisher. Yeah. So. Uh, question everything. Also, what we're questioning is uh, just very quickly before we we leave you all, lovely listeners, for the rest of the week. Lots of huge changes coming to Wear OS. So I know we were talking about it in the beginning. We were talking about Google Fit. And I blatantly stated that I I just don't want to wear a watch. Not into it. Not feeling it. Uh, I don't want to wear a watch. I mean, honestly, if you were going to sell me something specifically, it would be like a cool connected pedometer that I could like <laughs> clip onto my shirt and that wouldn't fall off. Like that's what I would appreciate. Or maybe something like a Tamagotchi shape. That also ran Wear OS. But anyway, so Engadget and Gizmodo both have headlines that uh, claim the change to Wear OS makes it less like Android and more Android-like, if that makes <laughs> sense. So, uh, Yeah, like and, and, and Gadget's headline basically say that <laughs> Android's, I think it's Engadget uh, saying that, oh, finally it's less, less, and it's not as, it's better because it's not like as much like Android. Now Gizmodo say, and it's, it's better because now it's more Android-like. But actually, they they have they they both I think they both got to talk to uh, the product manager for Wear OS because and Google's trying to get people to uh, know about this, and it kind of looks like both are true based on the screenshots they've been able to share. Right. Um, 
Um, so of course, in the redesign platform, efficiency is a front and center. Uh, Google's research says that people spend only about five seconds interacting with a watch on average, and this new software should get you what you need in that time. I'm still dubious. Uh, the big basic shift <laughs> to thinking to the thinking and navigation, organizing the quote unquote lands you reach by swiping up, down, left, and right from the watch face, slightly different than the previous mechanism of just like swiping through a long carousel, yeah. which See, that, I, that's, that's, that was one of the things that really was stupid yeah. on Android Wear 2.0. Like, so I'm going to, so this is yes, like the idea stupid. of swiping left or right from the watch face is one of the most important and like central things. Yeah. And you really want to make it switching my watch face as opposed to like getting immediate yeah, access it made to no something sense. important. It made no sense. Yeah. Uh, so now the up mechanism will reveal the settings. It'll let you switch between airplane mode, theater mode, etc., cetera, and uh, also offer a Google Pay button. I wonder if that depends on device or I wonder if that's going to, oh, maybe be like built into every device. <laughs> um, down swipe gives you notifications. So exactly like on Android, which is probably what, they're referring to when they say that's more Android-like because you know that you have that, you know, inclination to swipe down for the notification. So it makes sense you do the same with a watch. So now... Oh, I'm sorry. But when, I put my, when I took my notes, but I don't mean... Uh, I probably should have. That was that was that was a mistake on my part. When I was talking about down, I mean that if you were to, like, if the time uh, if the watch dial were like at the center of a uh, center of a clock like down from that is notification so you're actually swiping up to get there so just i, was being I think technical, we but, should be know. is it reverse then it's down as settings and up as notifications I, I, I'm, we'll figure I'm it hoping out that later. people aren't looking at their in two weeks' time. That they're not looking at their watches and listening to this. Trying you guys to will figure it out. But, ba- <laughs> but basically, but basically, the home. If you think of it, uh, if you think of like a, of the 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 concierge, the mm-hmm. the hotel lobby being like the the watch face. Uh, north of that, <laughs> the, the 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 north of that is uh, is going to be the settings. Uh, south of that is going to be your notifications. And now instead of them each being on separate screen filling cards, it's like one long scrolling mm-hmm. list. And if you tap if you tap on a notification, it'll like expand to show you the whole thing and also give you maybe an actionable button that's uh, attached to it. Uh, then to the left of center is the Google Assistant, uh, where it will proactively try to decide what it is you might want to see As right per now. Huge. <laughs> exactly, uh, and it's kind of like Google now. So you hopefully you, you, you can just swipe you can just swipe to it, and now well there's there's your flight information, and there's like traffic time to the airport, uh, stuff like that, and also suggestions on things you can ask the assistant to actually do, which is good because sometimes you don't know because they updated it uh, last month, and you don't know that this thing you've been cursing this watch for not being able to do, they've been able to do. Uh, for Doesn't mean it's exactly going to work, days. especially when you're running through an airport. Yeah. <laughs> if you're in an airport, you've already you're, you're already built to suffer. That's, if you're that's in an also true. For any reason. Uh, and then finally, when you swipe to the right, you get what we were talking about, and that's that new Google Fit. Google Fit, <laughs> yes. So so clearly, they're deciding that it's that's uh, it's a lot more important. So it's it it's is. a really it, it's a uh, I really liked again. All I've seen are these screenshots and uh, descriptions of the new uh, of the new navigation, and it really seems to make sense. Just like Apple did. Uh, Google seems to be collecting all the information they've gotten Mm -hmm. by watching people use this watch and taken uh, a design that was the best that they could guess given a track record of no use whatsoever. Uh, They basically figured out that we need to make this as simple as possible. So left, right, up, down. That's where the we will put the the three most important things people use it for. 
Right. Like people use it for fitness, people use it for notifications, and people will use it for the Google Assistant because everything's about the Google Assistant. And so essentially, it's not, don't, we don't need to give you an app launcher. We don't need to give you like scrolling no. circus no. lists. We will just simply give, we basically, we know that you, they know that we know that the reason they, that the, the interviews, they, he all but said, we know that the reason why you bought a watch in the first place is because you're sick and tired of doing things on your phone. And if you can just do things in five seconds on your watch, instead of having to spend 30 seconds on your phone, that's a win. So we will yes. help you use our product as little as possible. And not actually having like your nose down on, into your wrist to like try and yep. figure out what the heck is going on. Uh, because that also <laughs> contributes to what is called text neck. <laughs> mm. um, you know, although, although for the record, I was on my bike the other day and I passed by a man who was reading a hardcover library book while walking. So his nose down like on at a hardcover library book. That's he was like reading a novel while walking. I see a lot of people do that at the gym, which may, which is fine. That's probably like the easiest place to do it. I've seen people do it behind the wheel, which is just distracted and dangerous That's driving. Bad. Um, also, also there, there are no open ma- there there are no open manholes on a treadmill. That's also very true. So, um, also be very. I, I would I would I would hate myself for laughing but if he did walk into an open man manhole i would have to stifle the urge to laugh at least he would have something to read at least he has something to keep him tied over until the the city facilities gets over and rescues (laughs) of course i hope hope he's on a good page because having broken his neck he won't be able to turn any pages also he'll have 20 seconds while while breathing uh, noxious fumes before he yes which he can track with his his exactly. his wear OS watch because it will probably will have a stopwatch. Leave behind on it. he will leave behind a pile of data on exactly how he died. Yes, Google will certainly know where he died. Oh, that's, that's, that's definitely sure. true. It'll be able to warn people there's an open manhole <laughs> at this street corner, and also there's probably going to be traffic, what with ambulances and all. So maybe you want to route around. Yeah. It. Uh, so this is this is going to be uh, go, coming up in about two weeks. It will run on any Android Wear device that's running 2.0, excuse me, just about any Android Wear device uh, that's running 2.0 or greater, which is mostly anything but a first-generation uh, Google Wear device. Uh, and coincidentally, Qualcomm has already uh, had long ago announced they're doing a hardware event on September 10th. Yes. So, and they are the ones who are making that new super advanced, first for the first time, a, uh, a chipset for uh, Android Wear devices that is not based on, like, old manufacturing technology and based on an old phone chip design. So it could be fairly interesting. It could be fairly interesting. And very wisely, they scheduled it for the exact same week that historically Apple always does an iPhone event. So they're going to be getting so much press attention from this. Are you being uh, backslash sarcastic? Being, that's something <laughs> Generation X people do. We are, oftentimes we're sarcastic or ironic, and usually only only we can tell the difference between when we're being sarcastic mm-hmm. or ironic. In this case, it was sarcastic. I'm just I'm just saying that they 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 need to get whatever booze they need to get into journalists to get them to come to these meetings. They better make sure it's done by the by that by Tuesday because on Wednesday, no one's you can't we won't be able to sell a story about Android Wear. Or, or you will. You'll be able to sell a story about how's Android Wear or whatever Wear OS in comparison <laughs> to Watch OS, because who knows? Wait, isn't Apple supposed to announce? You would know better than me. Isn't Apple supposed to announce some sort of new watch? Probably. There's a rumor. So then it would make perfect sense to do to go head to head. You know, it's like if I put my lemonade stand ten meters away. I don't know how many meters are. I'm 
American, uh, 10 meters away from the next door neighbor's little girl's stand. Mm. She wouldn't appreciate it, but, you know, competition. Well, that, you know, that that is a great power move because there that means that Apple is going to have to, like, be up all night the night before because they're going to have to, like, toss their entire presentation on Apple Watch. So they, they make sure they respond mix. to all of the tough questions saying, well, Qualcomm, Qualcomm showed off a chipset that, frankly, makes it look like it's going to kick any Apple Watch's arse, sir or madam. Might I ask you how... Your new product is going to remain relevant in the face of Qualcomm's new chipset. No, 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 no. A sample of which I have in this block of Lucite paperweight that I was given at the press event two days ago. No, no, no. It's going to be, all it's going to be is Apple's going to say, Google is tracking you. And that's it. They don't have to go that far with a watch. They can just, they can basically say, they, they you know, Qualcomm and Google could announce, we've got, uh, we've got a, a watch with the, uh, the, quad teraflop computing uh-huh. power that runs three years on battery uh and has holographic display and apple could say we have three new band styles it's red but a little more yellow than red orange with a black stripe and a new sports band that still traps sweat against the hair in your in your arm Ew. but it has a little heart logo on it and then no one would be writing about qualcomm anymore true People love Apple Watch bands. Well, you know what? I was loving the Apple Watch too when I saw all those Fit features. Hopefully Google Fit does something. <laughs> yep. You know what? Oh, crap. I accidentally... <laughs> my Google Assistant uh, just responded to that. You know what? Here is my here is my hope. I would like to leave everybody with this little bit of hope uh, before we start rounding out the end of the show. My hope is that Google Fit brings me back to the watch. My hope is that Google brings me back to the watch. My hope is that whatever happens in that October event where apparently a Pixel watch is supposed to be announced, that I will want to buy it there and then. Yeah. Okay. But I'm putting that into the universe. Let's see what happens. We'll come back here and discuss it later. We'll have a postmortem. It'll be fun. I'll, uh, I'll admit it. That historically, I, I do like my Android Wear watch. I've got a Moto uh, 360, the second generation watch. I do like it. I, it, it I don't, fits I, on I'm you. Not un- exactly. It does not but fit me. It's, uh, it, it's also got that Horween leather band that has aged extremely well over the past two or three years. Uh, but it's 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 still, what if I had an open choice, I would much rather have an Apple watch. There are times I where know. I've been wearing an Apple watch even though it has no connectivity to I my know. phone, just because I think it's a much more fun activity it is. watch. It's cuter whatever. too. So, if, yeah. So, and it's, well, it's, it's it's even practical for for a woman to actually it's wear true. without looking like they're, they're wearing their boyfriend's. Watch I mean, or there are women who get married in these things. Although, if you are a woman listening and you were married in your Android Wear watch, please let us know. <laughs> so uh, say yes to the dress. Smart, yeah, smart say watch yes edition. to the smartwatch. Uh, so just a reminder to everyone out there that you can subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts uh, on Pocket Casts, which you may have heard is a great little app for listening to podcasts. Uh, even on iTunes, if you are a person who listens to things through an iPhone, you can listen to this podcast. <laughs> and if you leave us reviews, that helps us, actually. So leave us a review if you want. And you could say, hey, this is the best Google podcast for people on Apple, right? 
come on, help us out a little bit. Um, and it is, by the way, because as you know, Andy is super knowledgeable about Apple, whereas I'm just here like, Andy, oh. tell me something, because I have no idea what's going on. Oh, go on. <laughs> Um, also you can become a member of our podcast, which, uh, if you liked the nostalgic banter that Andy and I had earlier in the show, well, Hey, if you become a member, that's what bonus episodes are for. And you could get some more of that content coming up in the future. Uh, so please do go to relay.fm backslash material and check that out. Uh, also because we've got the Relay FM membership drive that's going on right now, we have a bonus episode coming out in just a bit. Stay tuned for that. We have a very special guest. Uh, you can expect our bonus episode sometime in September, so stay tuned for that. Andy, do you have anything that you would love to plug at the end of the show today? Mm, no, as usual, uh, hitanotgo.com uh, for no? my blog. Uh, hit and not go on Instagram. Not yet. I've, I've got okay. a project that hopefully will see fruition, but I don't like to promote stuff that I, I'm understand sure, that. I hope or, or sure will happen. Because then, like, if you delay it, then it turns out to this. This is this is this is why basically, yeah. You just... We're internet journalists. <laughs> we can't hide like missing deadlines because yeah. it becomes very obvious. So I just yeah, don't talk about what you're doing. <laughs> uh well thank you andy so much for being here this evening oh it was lovely as usual i am flo here and i am leaving you with my website florenceion.com which i have not up i have not updated in a while but there is a link where you can ask me a question if you have questions about any of the beats that i cover i'm still covering smartphones i'm still covering the smart home send me a question sometimes i pitch an article about it sometimes i'll write you back Sometimes I'll write on my website when I have time. Right now I don't have time because I am posting a lot. If you're wondering about what kind of laptop to buy, I'm going to shamelessly say, go read. I put up a little laptop <laughs> buying guide at lifehacker.com. If you're choosing between a Windows or a Chromebook laptop, because the whole point of the article is that you're not buying an Apple laptop. <laughs> just FYI. <laughs> and also, uh, there's a little roundup of Android apps to try out for your Chromebook over at Android police that went up about a week ago. So Yay. I will put those, I'll put those in the show notes because <laughs> why not? It's our podcast. We can promote our stuff, right? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, until next week, thank you everyone for tuning in. And until then, until then. Oh, <laughs> oh,